Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right. Well, it is still different. <laughs> Anybody tired of the series yet? Nope. Okay, good. Because I really thought today was going to be a standalone message. We don't do those very often. But I had a particular item on my heart, and I thought today was going to be a standalone message, and next week, and then we're going to start a compassion series that I'm really, really excited about. Please don't miss even one Sunday this fall, okay? (laughs) You will miss a lot if you miss even one Sunday, I'm telling you. The series that's coming up is going to be amazing. We're kicking it off with Jeremiah Stoddard, you know Isaiah Stoddard, right? The goofy one doing Bible trivia up here today. Our new youth pastor, his little brother, now works with Mission SOS, which is, and if you don't, if you haven't been around for a little while, they are an amazing missions organization led by Johannes Amritzer. Uh, and so Jeremiah Stoddard will be here with us in just two weeks. We're going to kick it off with a mission Sunday, talking about, I, I honestly, I asked him to share lots of crazy missionary stories with you. So that'll be fun. Um, and then we have some other surprises coming up in that series that really, really excited about. Please don't miss even one Sunday in the fall. It's going to be awesome. All of that to say, I thought today was going to be different. <laughs> thought it was going to be a not different, different sermon. Um, but honestly, I got done writing the whole thing and I was like, this is different. This is just, this is the different series. So here we are, different number six. I haven't done a series this long in a while, but I think God's just parking us here for a little bit. <laughs> I think there's some things we just need understand. It goes deeper than that, though. I think there's some things that we need to work into our souls a little bit here this series. And so today, the message that I have for you really piggybacks off of last week's Children of the Light message. We talked briefly last week about breaking secrecy, right? The the dark corners in our lives. We hide away. We're ashamed of. We want to hide from the world, but Jesus shines a light on asks you to clean it up, but he not only asks you to clean it up and and leaves you in that, he helps you clean it up and to get healthy again. And so the breaking secrecy concept is so important. It's also so old. (laughs) In terms of human history, we are not alone. We are not the only generation to have secrets, okay? Let me tell you. So to unpack this a little more, I think we have to go back to the beginning. In fact, to understand the end, the end of the Bible, the end of humanity as we know it, the end of all things, you have to understand the beginning, right? And so we're going to Genesis 3 today, starting in verse 4, and we're going to kind of read through this and unpack it as we go. So verse number 1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. So here we are, Genesis 3, right in the beginning, we find ourselves in the garden, right? Everything is good. The Bible says that it was good. It was whole. It was complete. Creation was at its best in the garden. But the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. One day he asked the woman, did God really say, did he really? Pay attention to this because he's still asking this question today. Did God really say, you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Did he say that? Any of the trees in the garden? Hmm, he said one tree. See how he twists it. Did God really say? See, Satan will often have you questioning God before he outright defies him. 
right? <laughs> he'll he'll also, all, often have you questioning him. And questions aren't wrong. I say this all the time, right? Our doubts, our questions, our fear, even our anger. We often hide these things from God. We, we think that they're wrong to bring them before God. Questions aren't wrong. Just make sure you're actually asking them. See, a lot of us end up leaving church or walking away from the faith altogether because we have questions that go unanswered, mostly because they are unasked. We don't ask them. We let them be questions. Well, I don't know about this, or I don't know how God would, or, or I don't know why God would do this. I, I don't know why he would allow this. Ask him. It's kind of that simple. <laughs> ask him your questions. Sometimes we withhold our questions because we don't really want to know the answer. I have asked God so many questions, so many arrogant questions. So many just dumb questions. So many questions about things I should know as a pastor's kid growing up in church my whole life. Like, I should know these things. And yet, God never shames me. Sometimes he sort of smirks at me a little bit. I can feel it in my soul. He says, come on, you know this, right? <laughs> if, you, if you really wanted to know the answer, you know it, you know? And we don't often want to know because uh, it forces us to do something about it. Ask your questions. God wants you to ask your questions. And, and maybe he'll show you somewhere in the Bible where he does something similar. Right? God, why would you do this? Well, I did it back here. Right? Or, or maybe he'll back you up. And, and you know what? He'll say, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Whoever told you that is crazy. I would, that's not something I would do at all. But ask God those questions. If Eve had asked God, right? If she had allowed that question to motivate her on to actually asking God the question. Because God didn't actually, we didn't go back far enough in the story maybe, but God didn't actually say the command to not eat the fruit from that particular tree to Eve that we know of. In the word it says he said it to Adam, right? And so Adam probably had passed along the message but maybe it was secondhand and she wasn't sure. Maybe. But, but if Eve had asked God, see, in the garden there was this communion, this oneness, this wholeness with God. We were more one with him, way more than we are today. The human race hasn't experienced that level of being with God since. They walked with God in the garden. They walked with him. They experienced creation on a whole different level than we do today. They were part of everything. All creation was fundamentally different. We know this because of all the changes that are made later in Genesis. We know how different things are today than they were back then. All of creation was fundamentally different. The earth didn't fight them like it does today. Right? It didn't have thorns and thistles. The ground wasn't tough to farm. We didn't have to scratch out a living there. We know this because later in this very chapter, that's, that's what God does. And, and after selfishness entered the world, everything had to change. The animals became more wild. Did you know that? After the flood, in fact, this is later in Genesis, but after the flood, uh, God actually says the animals will be scared of humans now. Were they not scared of humans before, right? So everything is so different. The animals became more wild. The ground became more wild. Everything changed. And you can make an argument that it was all because Eve didn't ask her question. You can make that argument. 
Verse 2, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. See, she did know. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die. I can just picture this. Can you picture a snake saying, nope, just me. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. Doesn't it sound good to be like God? Knowing both good and evil. Shrewd little serpent, right? Selfishness selfishness convinces us that we're missing out. We're missing something. Wait, God knows more than I do? I want to be like that. I want to know good and evil. God is withholding something from me. How dare he? When it's within my power to know, Right? When the reality is, God wants to withhold something from us. He wants to withhold the knowledge of evil from us. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah? For Adam and Eve and on all of humanity, he wanted to withhold the knowledge of evil from us. He didn't even want us to know the difference between good and evil. Sounds like a pretty good deal, but we chose the knowledge of evil. Humans, we wanted that. And if you feel a little bit of pride well up in your soul as I say that, like, I would never, right? I wouldn't, I can't believe they did that. How awful, how, how, why would anyone else want to know what evil is? How could you, right? We all have this thing like, oh, if only she hadn't, things would be so perfect today. Y'all were teenagers once. Okay, please. Y'all, all of us were teenagers once, right? Y'all never snuck out when your parents said to stay in? Okay. Right? Y'all never tried a cigarette or drank before the age of 21 or did anything your parents said not to? Teenagers. Can I just remind you a little bit? Just, just because you wanted to see what it was like, right? Just because you, you truly didn't trust that your parents had your best interests at heart, Right? You had to experience it for yourself. There's knowledge there. I have, to, I have to know what that's like. Maybe they're hiding something from me. We were all teenagers once. Humanity repeats history over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Same story, different generation. Right? We're still making this mistake. That pull toward the knowledge of evil it is something we all experience. And honestly, I think there's something purposeful behind it. Can we resist it? Right? Can, can we trust God? Can we truly believe that he has our best interest at heart, despite the knowledge being right there at our fingertips? Can we truly place our trust in him? Look, the angels had a perfect environment and still Lucifer chose to do his own thing. Yeah? It's still Lucifer thought he knew better, that God was hiding something from him. So I'm not convinced a perfect environment like Adam and Eve had is really the best thing for us. Come on, we got to stop complaining. <laughs> I'm saying, God, why would you? How could you? Right? Maybe there's something more that we're meant to learn from it. It's not really about perfection. People always want to question why a good God would allow such evil in the world. Look, he didn't. He didn't want that for us. We did that. He allowed us to choose because love can't exist without choice. And God is love. Like I said last week, right? He, he uh, doesn't give love or 
receives love, right? He is love. It's who he is. So when he creates something, the, the purposeful, productive God that he is, it's love. It's with love. Love can't exist without choice. You can't force someone to love you. It's not love then, right? God didn't allow this. We did it. He allowed us to choose out of love, and I think he continues to allow it because there is purpose in it. Let's keep reading verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Listen, sin does unlock knowledge, but it's knowledge you never needed. And just let that sink in for a second. There is some knowledge we don't need. I know that's hard for some very academic types to get behind, right? We want to learn all that there is to learn, right? But sin unlocks knowledge for sure. It's just knowledge you never needed. The Bible says fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Think about that for a second. Because when you step out of line and you see the consequences that sin brings, you start to have a fear of God, right? That, that in the sense that it's, some people get have a hard time with the, the word fear there, but it's, a, it's the sense that it's a respect for who he is, the sovereignty, the almighty nature of who he is. He is a good father, and therefore a good father sometimes hands out punishments to teach us, to correct us, to get us back in line. Yeah? So sin unlocks that knowledge, and we begin to have wisdom. We begin to have a fear of God. But what if we just feared him in the first place and didn't have to deal with the consequences? That, that's that song that we sang today, the blessings from generation to generation, your children, your children's children. Maybe we can pass along those blessings and they don't have to experience it for themselves. We can teach the fear of God. That's why kids ministry and youth ministry is so important, right? There's 168 hours in each kid's week. We get one, one. What if they never hear about Jesus other than that one hour they spend at church? We have to teach the fear of God, and hopefully help them avoid some of the knowledge that sin unlocks. I believe that I was spared a lot of this because I grew up in church. I was taught how to have a relationship with Jesus, not just how to behave well like a good little church mouse, right? but how to have a relationship with Jesus because it's the relationship that changes you, not the behavior. We don't change from the outside in. We change from the inside out as Christians. The relationship with Jesus makes us want to change. This is something I used to teach my junior high students every October when I was kids pastor because, you know, Halloween's coming. The Ouija boards start to come out. Kids start, you know, daring each other to do things they shouldn't do. And saying, well, you know, if Harry Potter isn't bad, then why is this stuff? There is a big difference between fantasy and reality. And there is danger in reality. A Ouija board can actually open you up to stuff you don't want any part of. Believe me. Harry Potter's fiction, fantasy, we're allowed to make believe. Okay? I'm, I was trying to train them to be smart enough to know the difference. Right? Between fantasy and what is real. The enemy lives in the spiritual world. He has knowledge that we don't have. 
right? We can acknowledge that. He knows things about human nature that we don't know because he's existed a whole lot longer and watched many more of us (laughs) than we can. He knows things we don't know. But listen, he can give you information, but it's information you never needed. Because John 10.10 tells us the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Three jobs he has. Kill us, steal from us, destroy us. Any information that you get from anywhere other than God is meant to kill, steal, and destroy. Is that information you need? Sometimes we have to be okay with not knowing some things. We have to trust that God has it. That he he wants the best for us. He has our best interest at heart. But there's also an enemy out there that doesn't. We go looking for information in all the wrong places. We're going to get knowledge we never needed. He wants to rob from you. He wants to destroy you and ultimately kill you. Don't give him that power. And don't walk right into it. You are infinitely more powerful than him. Because you are God's child made in his image. You give him the power and stronghold in your life when you go looking for information in all the wrong places. Don't do it. Sin unlocks knowledge, but it's knowledge you never needed. Verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, and those fig leaves were getting a little chilly, okay, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Can you imagine hiding from God? Sounds silly, so literal, but do we not do it all the time? Right? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? (laughs) Right? Where are you? When God asks a question, is it because he doesn't know the answer? When God asks a question, is it because he needs the answer? Or is it because we do? He replied, I heard you walking. Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Again, a question from God. I always pay attention to God questions because he does not need the answer. We do. And we've been included on this particular conversation in the word because we need the answer too. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Who told you? Again, does God need the answer to this question? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? More questions God did not need the answer to. But Adam and Eve did. Right? Adam and Eve needed this answer. They needed to recognize and face the fact that they went to the wrong source for information. They went to a created thing rather than the creator himself for information. We, honestly, I want to look down on them so badly. Like the, the human nature in me wants to be like, I would never. Right? But I do it all the time. We do it all the time. We go to so many other sources for information than the word. We have printed words of God. Probably on most shelves in America, like household shelves in America. And yet they're collecting dust. They're unopened. Adam and Eve didn't have the printed word of God. They had God walking in the garden with them. And they still hid from him. Verse 12, the man replied. (laughs) The man replied. Listen to this reply. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. 
It was the woman you gave me, God. Don't you love how he adds that little piece in there? The woman you gave me gave me the fruit. You gave her to me after all. You did this. <laughs> we blame God for our own decisions. Constantly. God, how could you allow such evil in my life? We did it. Maybe not us. Maybe it was someone else's sin. Maybe it's generations of sin. But humanity, we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. Listen, this is my big takeaway. This was my big revelation this week. Spiritual maturity. I've struggled with this for years, actually. What is the actual definition of spiritual maturity? Because it feels like there could be a lot of definitions. You're more hopeful. You're more kind. You're more, I don't know, disciplined. But this is what hit me. Spiritual maturity is taking responsibility. I'm going to be unpacking that one for a while. Spiritual maturity is taking responsibility. It took me a long time to come to this conclusion. This is my main revelation from this particular message. It was like a light bulb went off in my head as I was studying it this week. Spiritual maturity is taking responsibility. Think about it. Jesus was the ultimate measure of maturity, right? He is the the measuring stick that we're all trying to live up to. He was the ultimate spiritually mature one. He was and is the goal. His life walked on earth. We get to study in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the goal, the height of all heights when it comes to spiritual maturity. And he took responsibility for us. All of us. Forever. (laughs) This is when it started to dawn on me that this is another different message because it's just the gospel over and over and over. We just keep... Letting the gospel sink into our souls. Jesus took responsibility for all of us. He took all of it. He took extra of it. He didn't just take responsibility for himself. He took it for all of us. So spiritual maturity is taking responsibility not only for your own actions, but for others too. Adam didn't do that. The first man didn't do that. The woman you gave me, God... Eve passes the buck to you. Don't, don't you think I'm letting her get away with it? The serpent deceived me. This is human nature, not manhood or womanhood, okay? Human nature. We, we pass the buck. We don't want to take responsibility for it. The woman you gave me, God, the serpent you put in the garden, they made me do it. Sin, it makes us want to hide. Hide from our own actions, hide from punishment, hide from God. It gives us shame where we knew no shame before. It creates the dark corners we've been talking about for two weeks now. It's only when we allow Jesus to shine a light on those corners that we're able to truly be free. Chris Hodges always says, uh, Pastor Chris Hodges always says, you're only as sick as your secrets. Meaning, the more that you can confess, the more that you can get out into the light, the more that you can give to God, the more that you can repent of, turn from your wicked ways, the more you'll be free. But we're not able to be free when we're not able to admit what we've done, <laughs> what we have done. Take responsibility for our own decisions. Even if someone else influenced it, you still chose. Now what someone else tricked us into We're passing the blame to other people, not what God has allowed in our lives. 
passing the blame to God even, but what we have done, our part in it. Authority has taken responsibility. And it hit me while studying this. We were talking about breaking secrecy, and so I was really fixated on the idea of honesty for a while. And it hit me that honesty isn't a fruit of the Spirit. I found that really odd when I realized, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Nine, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is my kids' ministry experience coming out to you all, okay? I know them all, right? So honesty is not listed. But we spent a whole series this year talking about the wellspring and how when you pour in the Holy Spirit, what comes out is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm really just showing off that I know them all at this point. (laughs) But honesty isn't on that list. Honesty is not something that naturally comes out of us when we pour the Holy Spirit in. Unless you sort of count faithfulness, you know, goodness. There are those things you could make a case that that's honesty. But it just struck me. And so I started researching honesty in the word. Why is it not on the list? And I kind of came to this conclusion after studying all the scriptures and, and really digging into honesty. Honesty isn't the fruit of the spirit because it's a choice and a discipline. It's a choice something we choose. I mean, Proverbs has a ton to say about dishonest people and everything that they do. I mean, just search, Google search honesty in Proverbs sometimes and you get a whole page. There's the, the Bible has a lot to say about it, but every time it seems more like a choice than a fruit. Just like we said last week, holiness is not only given, it is chosen. It is both given and chosen. It starts with your thoughts, actually. The more I got into the concept of honesty, the more I could see that it doesn't start here at my lips, right? It starts here and here, I guess. Philippians 4.8, think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. It starts with what we think about. And if you really got honest with yourself, remember the concept of radical honesty that we talked about last week. If you really got honest with yourself and you don't let yourself get away with the excuses, next time you feel a lie bubbling up from your soul, right? It usually comes when you make a mistake or, you know, you mess something up, you do something you know you shouldn't have, immediately, and I know I'm not the only one, okay? We're going to be radically honest. Remember, look inward immediately excuses start to come to your mind. Well, I only did it because that person did that. I only did it because that person said that. I only did it because it was wrong to begin with. I only did it because immediately your brain starts coming up with excuses. It is a choice to silence them. It's a choice to be honest. It is a choice to take responsibility. And to go even further, it is a choice to take responsibility for others too. Love takes responsibility for others too. How can we possibly love others well, like Jesus did, when we can't take responsibility for ourselves? I'm just going to, I'm saying it again. How can we possibly love others well when we can't take responsibility for ourselves? 
It's a thinker. Let that one sink in for a moment. Love pays the price for others. It takes responsibility for others. Responsibility that it doesn't deserve. Jesus didn't deserve that cross. We did. We do. Even as Christians, under the blood of Christ, we deserve it. But he covers us. Love is self-sacrificial. And I, I might be getting ahead of myself here. Verse 13, then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Remember, she also passes the buck. The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, and you can see all the things he curses him with. <laughs> then he said to the woman, and he hands out some punishments for her. In verse 17, then he said to the man, more punishments for him. I told you about all the ways the earth changed in this moment, right? But verse 20 and 21 is what I want to get to. 21, actually. 20 says, then the man Adam named his wife Eve. It's weird that she didn't have a name till this moment. Anybody else find that weird? Little, believe me, you'll find all kinds of weird little details in Genesis. Because she would be the mother of all who live, verse 21, and then the Lord God made clothing from animal skins. From Adam and his, for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. I will never look at this verse the same way again. The, this last verse, just leave it up on the screen for a moment. It's one of those throwaway verses you might never notice. Right? Yeah, God made clothes, big deal. They went about their business, right? But it, it is one of the most important verses to our conversation today. Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God covered it. He covered it. The Lord covered their sin. The Lord covered their shame. The Lord went looking for them in that garden. The Lord called them out of hiding. The Lord gave them their dignity back. I... It wasn't his to cover. Do you under, do, can you see this today? God, help me communicate this. It wasn't his to cover, but God covered it. This is grace. This is grace. It was present in Genesis. It's present in the Gospels. It's present today. God's grace covers it. Chelsea and I were talking about the concept of grace this week. And as she said so eloquently on Facebook, yesterday in the natural we often want to look at each other's problems and say to each other that's not my problem that's your problem right you go deal with it that's not it's not my problem right we don't want to take responsibility for others but what if God said that to us what if God left us in our sin what if you I have been I've never cried during a message. <laughs> I want that to be known because I'm a woman pastor, okay? And if I ever do, I'll, I feel like I'll get the stigma forever and more that I cry during messages. But this one has been, it bubbles up in my soul. God covered it. And he wants to cover ours today too. The reality is Jesus taught a different way. <laughs> A humanity, in our human nature, in our own selfishness, we want to say, that's not my problem. Right? Go cover it yourself. You made your bed, now lie in it. 
right? You dug the hole, you deal with it. We, we don't want to deal with other people's problems, but what if God did that? What if he left us in our sin and shame and selfishness? What if he left us in the pain? Jesus taught a different way. In fact, he told us to take responsibility for the poor. Take responsibility for the underprivileged, the disenfranchised, the, the homeless, the children. Take responsibility for your family, your church family, your neighbor, right? the, your community. He taught us to take responsibility, not to give it away. There is so much grace in God. We look back at my life and just see grace. I got covered so much. Uh, grace is actually... Receiving blessings from God that you don't deserve. This is just my definition, I guess. But I I have to think about this for the next year, I feel like, to fully get it. Grace is receiving blessings from God that you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving punishments from God that you do deserve. God is so full of both. Grace and mercy. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. And it was present in Genesis. And it's present on that cross and it's present today. Look, sin steals our dignity. Makes us shiver in the cold in the trees with our fig leaves. Ashamed and scared and broken. With knowledge we never needed. Right? It makes us go hide in our shame. But God's grace calls us out band can go ahead and start to come. I want you to notice one more concept, though. You'll notice something. Would you just put that last verse back up on the screen? Verse 21. Let's just read it one more time. And the Lord God made clothing, not from fig leaves. The Lord God made clothing from animal skins. First time that we know of in human history that blood was shed. The Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. There were consequences to their actions. Something had to die. Life was forever changed. But that didn't separate them from God permanently. No matter how much you've messed up, no matter how many things you've put in between you and God, no matter how much sin and selfishness you've chosen in this life, God will still come to look for you. He will come and find you, hiding in the trees, scared and naked and alone, exposed and vulnerable. He will come and find you. He used animal skins to cover them. Something still had to die. Blood had to be shed, but God gave them their dignity back. He covered it in the Garden of Eden with animal skins. He covered it in the Old Testament by setting up a system of sacrifice with animal blood. And then he sent his son to once and for all cover it by shedding his blood for us on the cross. No matter how many times we betray him, No matter how many times we tell him, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe your word. I'm going to choose to do it my own way. God still covers it. 
why Jesus had to die. That's why to fully understand the gospel, you have to also understand the beginning because Jesus wasn't the only time God covered it. He covers it again and again and again. That's why we have to be honest with him to bring this full circle back into breaking secrecy. There is no hiding from God. It's ridiculous to think about Adam and Eve hiding in the garden that God created. But we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We hide things from God in our dark corners. We we come into church on Sunday morning feeling like the the walls are going to cave in if we darken the doors. The the, the lightning's going to strike if I come to church today because of all the things that I've done. When in reality, that is exactly where you should be. In the light of Jesus. And that is exactly where he wants you. Freedom Valley has always been a place where we can be real with each other. Or not pretending in the house of God. He doesn't want us pretending. Trying to be something that we're not. He wants us free. And to do that, we have to be honest. We have to confess our sin. We have to get it out into the open. We have to repent. And to do that, we have to admit it. Take responsibility today. We have to break that secrecy in our lives because secrecy creates a strong stronghold. It creates a, a something, a power in your life pulling you in the opposite direction. Just admit it. Jesus already paid the price for it. Literally 2,000 years ago on the cross, he paid the price for that thing you've been trying to hide. He already knows, knows about it. He already took it into account when he paid that price. It was covered already before it even happened. Jesus covered it. But we have a participation in that. We have to accept it. We have to admit the wrong things in our life and participate with grace. God can't cover it until we've admitted it. (laughs) He can't help us. He can't come in, swoop in, and help us clean it up until we've said, God, help. God, help. He's calling you out of hiding today. He's calling you out of those trees. He's calling you by name. He knows exactly what you did last night or last week or last year. He knows exactly how many hair are on your head. (laughs) He knows the amount of stars in the sky. He knows what you've done. He knows your thought life. And he still chose to cover it. Jesus is here for you today. He's just calling you out of the shadows. That is the word of God for you today. That is, it's been heavy on my heart that God sees us truly as children in his sight. We throw around these terms sometimes in church, right? We are the children of God. I am the son or daughter of the king. Do you actually realize what that means? We give children all kinds of excuses, right? Oh, they're they're just a kid. They're going to make mistakes, right? Abby said to me earlier, (laughs) there was a kid screaming in the lobby, and she said, if I did that as a teenager, everybody would yell at me. Yeah, we give allowances to children, right? That's what we do. God sees us as children, his children, who he loved enough to send his son for. He's not the big angry guy in the sky wagging his finger at you, pouring on sin and shame. Conviction 
is from the Holy Spirit, there's a difference between conviction and shame. Shame makes you want to run far away from God, but as far as you can. God doesn't provide shame. The enemy does that. God provides conviction. And what conviction does is it overwhelms you with love. The love of the Father so much that you want to change. It's like the but I love you story I told last week. Right, I was pouring my heart out to God saying, I don't deserve you because I keep messing up all of the time. I know I don't deserve you. And God said, but I love you. His love covers it. It's always covered it. All we have to do is accept it. That's it. And we're going to stand this morning and we're going to sing. We're going to praise the name of Jesus. The name above every name because he covered it. And as we do that this morning, I want you to find a place in this room. Get alone if you have to. Go to a back corner. Come to the altar. Find a place where you can just have an honest conversation with God. And maybe you need to admit it out loud. The prayer team is going to come and be available right here at the front as soon as we start singing. Maybe you need a safe place to admit something to, to get it out, break secrecy in your life. Remember, there is so much power in taking responsibility and breaking that secrecy. You will see a difference in your life if you can do it. I dare you to do it. Not even, but just do it. Break that secrecy in your life. There's freedom on the other side. But we're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to get free of some stuff today. Okay? Go ahead and stand with me. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for Jesus, the name above every name. King of kings, the Lord of lords, thank you that his name is so powerful because he covered it, because he was the only person on planet earth that fully deserved to judge us, and he chose not to. Instead, he took on my sin. He took my shame. He took it. The incredible love of the Father sent Jesus. Jesus, 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 we just thank you today. We worship you today. We wholeheartedly abandon our pride, our arrogance. We leave it at the door and we just run to you today. We lift our hands and surrender. Because no, we don't deserve to be here. No, we don't deserve to be in right relationship with the Father. We don't deserve any of it. It was given. It was covered. It's covered in the garden. And it's covered today. God, we just release the spirit of honesty into this house. That we would choose honesty. That we would choose righteous living. That we would choose to truly place our trust in you, knowing that you have our best at heart. God, we trust you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
Let's worship the name of Jesus.
Yes. Give the Lord a round of applause. Thank Him for this name, the name that is above. All names. Jesus Christ is Lord. King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you know that God loves you as much as He loves Jesus? If you're not sure, read John 17, the whole chapter, but John 17, 23. says, Jesus loved, or God loved you, me, as much as he loved Jesus. And this is a good word. Can we give Candace, Pastor Candace, a big thank you. Be honest. This week, meditate on the word of God and what grace means for you. Thank you for coming. Let's pray. Close out the service. Father God, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy. We deserve none of it. But you pour it out. Psalm 23 says your mercy and goodness pursue us, follow us all the days of our lives. You're so good. We thank you, Lord, you're with us this week. Let us see you. Let us open our eyes to understand your word. We believe your word. We declare we believe your word above anything. Your word first. Go with us now this week. Empower us, strengthen us to be the church. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. We pray it in the greatest name, Jesus. Thank you for coming. See you next week. Prayer team is still here. If you need prayer for anything, please come. And we'll see you next week and bring a friend.